You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. We are in Galatians chapter 6. We are going to continue in our study through Galatians. We're almost done, which is amazing and exciting because we got, we got more of God's word to, to look at over the months and weeks, years, decades ahead. Uh, but for now, we're going to finish. We're going to keep going through Galatians, probably one or two more weeks through in Galatians, and then we'll be done. But we're going to be in chapter 6 today. We're going to start in verse 6. And sometimes what we like to do is we like to stand together as we read God's Word just to show respect and honor for God's Word. And so I would ask for us to just stand this morning for just a a few seconds as we read some of these verses. So we're going to be in verse 6. We're going to read through verse 10. This is what God's Word says. One who is taught the Word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is God's word. Let's pray. God, use your word to change us. Thank you for it. Thank you for every person who is in here today. And we ask you to meet us. Let this be different than any other activity we would engage in throughout the week. Let this be a time where we are refreshed, where we are challenged, where we grow and that we would leave here different than when we came in. We're grateful, God. Use your word for your glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Oh, man, there's a lot lot going on in the world. Um, There's two two shootings yesterday in a matter of hours. Uh, Terrible. it's, it's unthinkable that these events keep happening and um, they remind us of the brokenness that we, we encounter on a daily basis here in this world. And we can mourn and grieve with those who are impacted by this tragedy. And I know that these events even trigger stuff for us here locally because it wasn't that long ago where we experienced our own shooting. And if you have experienced any trauma from that or renewed trauma, I would just encourage you, do not go through these things alone. Seek help. Come to us. We want to help you. We want to talk to you. We can refer you to places that could bring help as well. Uh, (laughs) There's just, there's so much, so much that you look through the news and you see the trouble that we are in as just a society, as a country, as a world, as just a human race. Um, some are major, some are not so major. I, I was, there, I don't know if you saw the latest kind of college admission thing going on. So, you know, there was this issue where celebrity families, wealthy families were, you know, paying off admissions people and kind of working the system. Well, there's another thing that's been going on where um, wealthy families are giving up guardianship of their children. 
so that they can train, so that the children can live with a, a relative or another guardian, and then that, that child can declare financial independence and then receive financial aid, special financial aid, more financial aid from colleges, universities. And this kind of broke in the Chicago area, and they're finding that this is an issue that's happening more and more places throughout throughout the country. And there are all kinds of reasons, and we could argue, you know, the system's probably as broke as the parents who are doing this, but just trying to get around the system, trying to work the system. And these things show what lengths we will go through to get what we want. So what do you want? What do you want in your life? What do you want to see happen in your life? What are you willing to do to get what you want? See, these are questions we all have to wrestle with because there are these opportunities that come up where maybe the lines are a little blurred, maybe certain situations present themselves as appealing and we're faced with the questions of, okay, is this okay? Is it not okay? Is this one of the gray areas? At what length will I go through to get the things that I want? Because we all have desires. We want to see things happen in our lives. We want to see things happen in our families. And what this does is it highlights for us, I think it highlights for us, a principle, a principle that we see highlighted actually in our text today in the scriptures. And it's this You've probably heard it, and you heard me read it today. It's this principle of you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And what, what Paul is doing is he is giving us this principle, this kind of absolute principle in life, and he uses something that everybody would have understood back then and even now for us, and it's this agricultural image, right? This farming metaphor, this farming illustration, this reaping and sowing, sowing and reaping. And it's not sowing like, I wanted to say like you sew a sweater, but I know you don't sew sweaters, right? Like you knit sweaters. It, you sew fabric together, right? You use needle and thread. That's not the kind of sewing we're talking about. The kind of sewing that he's talking about is an agricultural term. It's a farming term. It means, term, it means that you're going to take a seed and you're going to put it in the ground. You're sowing that seed. And then reaping is what comes next. The seed blossoms, blooms, grows, and you take from the ground what the seed, what the, the life that the seed brought. And so this, this is one of those few principles in life. There, there are a few things in life that are just true and just are, right? I mean, water is wet. Fire is hot. What goes up must come down. The Dolphins may never win a Super Bowl ever, ever, ever again. <sighs> Absolutes. No, no, that's not an absolute. We, we, we speak against that. But what is an absolute is you, you will reap what you sow. 
What you sow will bring a harvest, will bring a reaping. It's true in farming. Whatever goes in the ground comes up from the ground. If you put a seed in, whatever life is in that seed will come up. You will not put a, you will not plant corn and get apples. What is, re- what is sown will be reaped. It's true in farming. It's true in the physical sense. And what Paul is saying is this is true in a spiritual sense. It is maybe even more true in a spiritual sense. And maybe the, the, the results are more important in a spiritual sense than they are even in a physical sense. And it may be one of the most practical instructions that we get in all the book of Galatians, and maybe all of Scripture. What you sow, you will reap. See, Paul, he's been, he's been teaching us the gospel. The, the whole book of Galatians is an amazing declaration of the gospel. And, and we're calling this series Foundations of Life because this is the foundation of everything that we will do in this life. The gospel changes everything. The gospel impacts everything. And if we get it wrong, if we don't understand it properly, then our life will be standing on unsteady ground. It will not have the right foundation. And so Paul has gone to great lengths in four chapters, chapters one, two, three, and four. He, he defends the gospel. He helps us understand the gospel, that salvation, that our relationship with God, that we are saved, made right with God by grace alone, by faith alone. It is not what you or I do to earn it, but what God has done. And this is hard for us because we constantly want to save ourselves. We want to be the savior, whether we look to something else as that savior, where we decide it is going to be the thing that brings life to me, or whether we just really look to ourselves and say, no, I got to get it done. I got to do it. That's the human nature. That is what we want. And when the Bible tells us that you need to let go of control of your life and, and surrender it to, to the Lord... We have trouble with that. And so Paul is taking four chapters in this letter to say, this is what the gospel is. This is my defense of the gospel. Faith alone, grace alone. And then chapters five and six are, okay, now you understand the gospel. This is how you live life. This is how you live the Christian life. Do you really want to know what it means to be a Christian, to live a life that is going to be the most fulfilling, the most joyful, the most excellent? Well, here it is. And so chapters five and six are all about that. And this one today is one of the most important principles in living the Christian life. You remember the last couple of weeks, we've talked about this this idea of spirit and flesh, right? That The things of the spirit are the things of God, and the things of the flesh are the things that we want, the cravings that we have that are opposed to God, that that are not in line with what God wants. And this is a battle within us every day, all the time, right? I mean, if I said who battles this, every one of us should raise their hands because we fight this battle every single day. We want what we want. It's not always the same thing that God wants. And so there's this war raging inside of us. And so he tells us to walk by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit. And we remember the the fruit of the Spirit. We've had 
time to hopefully let that sink in, the fruit of the Spirit, these elements that just reflect what a godly life looks like, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Man, you want, you want to just take time and meditate? I mean, you could spend a month just taking one of those every few days and just thinking about it and meditating on it and, and praying through it and saying, God, this is what I want my life to look like. Because there, there's another side, the fruit of the Spirit, all those wonderful things, and then there's the works of the flesh that Paul laid out just a few verses earlier, and those are no good, right? Things like hatred and strife and bitterness, immorality, impurity, idolatry, jealousy. <laughs> and when we start lining up those two lists, we, we start to realize the, the struggle's real. And so there's this constant battle of living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, or walking by the flesh. And so he, he comes to this principle where he says, you're going to reap what you sow. Whichever of those paths you give most attention to, that's what's going to come out. And so here's the truth. As it, as it relates to sowing, that we all are sowing to something. We're all sowing to something. We're never neutral, okay? <laughs> when we think like, oh, well, I'm not too bad today and I'm not too good either, but I'm just kind of in the middle, eh, right? That's not, that's not the best way to see, to view life. We're, we're always sowing to something and it's either going to be to the spirit or to the flesh. What the question that we need to be asking is, are we sowing to the right things? Are we sowing to the Spirit? To a life that honors God, to a life that is going to produce the fruit that we want to see. I think if we're, if we're all honest, right, we, we want the fruit of the Spirit, even if we don't see it well in our lives. No, I don't think anybody walks around and just says, oh, I really want to be more angry. I really want to be more jealous. I want to be more bitter. I'd like more immorality. I'd like more hatred. I mean, very few people, right? I mean, there's like a class of people in, on themselves that like that kind of stuff. I'd say most people would say, yeah, love, joy, peace, patience, kind of, yeah, I, I, would, I would like more of that, or at least I'd like more of that from the people around me so that I'm not so bothered by all the other stuff. So Paul, he, he helps us see this principle in a new way. And he walks us through, and he, he, he gives us a warning, right? Right away, you see it in verse 7. He says, he says, don't be deceived. That's a warning. He says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. This is, this is Paul's message of the whole letter. He's saying, don't be deceived. He's warning them, and he's warning us not to be deceived. <laughs> he says it earlier in the letter, he says, like, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He says it in most of his letters, actually, that 
there is a, a clear and present danger of us being deceived. And what's happening in the Galatian church is he taught the gospel, he set up this church, and then these, these false teachers came in and they start teaching bad things. They start teaching a, a bad gospel, a wrong gospel. And the Galatian church, they're starting to believe these teachers. And so Paul is just, this letter is all about him saying, why? Why are you believing this nonsense? Why are you going to these lengths to believe you're being deceived. And we have to be careful because we are easily deceived. Right? We all have friends who are like gullible, right? I mean, we all have them. They'll believe anything that you tell them. Then we have other friends who don't believe anything <laughs> that you tell them, and they're super cynical, and they never, they never budge. They're stubborn. What the Bible tells us, what God tries to make clear to us is that we all, we all are susceptible to being deceived. We are easily fooled. We want what we want, and we'll believe what we want to believe, and if we, we, we will believe it if, it if we think it will get us what we want. And we will look for people to agree with us, or we will find the most abstract places to agree with us to build our case, right? I mean, if you, if you just love ice cream, right, and that's, that's your thing, you love it, you want to eat it all day, every day, you can search the internet, and I'm sure you would find an article, some whack job out there saying that, yep, you can eat this 24-7, it actually will do good for your body. And then when someone says, why are you eating so much ice cream? You're like, look. Look at the article. Someone agrees with me. We, we love it, man. We want to find people who just support our position. We're deceived. We get deceived. And we are told so many times in the Bible to watch out about deception. Why do you think it's there so many times? Because we're easily deceived, because we need it. We are so easily deceived to think that what we do doesn't matter, that our actions have no impact, that either it only impacts me and doesn't impact anybody else, or God doesn't care, God, God, God's fine with me doing whatever I want to do, or that God doesn't even exist and it really doesn't matter what any of us do. And that's why Paul makes this deeper connection when he says, God is not mocked. He says, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Do you know what that means? God is not mocked, it means treating God lightly, taking him lightly. It means acting as though he doesn't exist. Living like nobody's watching, nobody cares. And so Paul, he's saying, he's like, listen, there's, there's the fruit of the spirit, there's the works of the flesh, said, there's a battle going on. He said, don't, don't be deceived. God, God's still there. Don't get it twisted. God sees, God cares, God is interested, very interested because he loves you so much. He is so interested in how you live your life, how the decisions you make, the, the way that you do life, he cares. You're not fooling him when you're acting like he's not there. Don't treat him lightly. You're not gonna trick him. God is not mocked. I was thinking about a um, great older movie now, uh, Forrest Gump. You remember Forrest Gump? 
Remember Lieutenant Dan? Remember Lieutenant Dan has a tough go at it, right? I mean, he loses his legs in the war, and what does he do? He then becomes a ship captain, and he's got a ship, and Forrest and him are sailing, and, and what happens? Big storm comes, and there's Lieutenant Dan shouting at God, right? <laughs> like lightning thunder waves, and he's saying, you'll never sink me, you'll never sink us, do your best. Right? That's, that's a picture of mocking God. We treat him lightly. And so Paul, he, he gives us this warning, and then he says, listen, here's the principle. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Guys, this is so important for us. So practical, so helpful. Listen, what, whatever goes in will come out. I mean, that's the principle of agriculture. What you plant will sprout, will bring life. Whatever one sows, that will he reap. What goes in will come out. What goes in will come out. A tomato seed planted won't get you anything but a tomato. No matter how much you want something else, it won't happen. So not only the fact that whatever goes in comes out, it will come out. It is promised. It is for sure. It will happen no matter how long the seed is in the ground. It will sprout. It will come to life. And we have to deal with what comes up from that. And he goes on in verse 8. Look what he says. He says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap, say the word together, corruption. Who wants that? Who wants to sow corruption and reap corruption? See, this word is really interesting. This word means disintegration. It means things are, are coming apart. They're, they're, they're disintegrating in our hands. When we sow to the flesh, what comes out brings destruction. It brings corruption. Sin makes everything fall apart. The works of the flesh make everything fall apart. Do you see it in your own life when, when there's anger and jealousy and strife and bitterness and immorality and all that stuff exists in your life, in your relationships? What happens to those relationships? They fall apart. It's corruption. Disintegration. Destruction. We know this principle, right? I mean, just think about the idea of eating, what we eat, so impacts our life. What we ingest into our system, into our bodies, it just, it, it's the principle in full action. What we sow will reap. If we abuse this body, we will reap corruption, disintegration. The body falls apart. It's the same in the spiritual sense. How we choose to live our lives, what we give our lives to will bring about a harvest of either corruption or the promise, which is the last part here in verse 8. But he says, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I mean, what sounds better? <laughs> Flesh and corruption or spirit and life. And Paul's trying to make it in such clear terms for us because 
We are so easily deceived. We start to look at corruption as a good thing. We start to look at disintegration as, as, as okay. Like, well, it's not that bad. It's not so bad that I need to change my life. No, no, we, we, we're fooled. We don't see it. And then one day we look in the mirror or we look around in our life and we go, everything has fallen apart. But the promise is so great. If we sow to the flesh, the consequences are severe. But when we sow to the Spirit, when we live by the Spirit, we get the things that our hearts long for, that we crave for. We get acceptance. We get approval. We get joy. We get life. And not just life here, but what does it say? Eternal life. We get to enjoy that benefit, not just here, but in the life to come, in the life after. So here's the question for all of us. What? Are you sowing? We can't ignore the question. We have to answer this question because we're all sowing something. Remember that from the beginning. We're all sowing to something. We're either sowing to the flesh or we're sowing to the spirit. And I'm not saying every day it's always one and it's perfect life, perfect life. No, no, no. There there is this battle, right? Paul has said it. The battle exists. It's real. The struggle is real within us. But we have to start looking at our lives and saying, what is my aim? What's my purpose? What am I moving towards? Is it just constant sowing to the wrong things? Or am I desiring? Do I want? Am I seeking to sow to the Spirit? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Are you mocking God? Do you live as though he doesn't exist? Do you live as though God does not care about how you live your life, how you do your job, how you parent your children, how you handle your marriage? how you handle your finances. And so one question we we could ask is, well, how do we know? How do we know what we're sowing to? Well, I think that's what makes chapter five and six so helpful. He, He gives us lists. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Evaluate your life. It's not hard. It's not hard to look back, right? We just, we take, we take a step back and we just kind of scan our life and say, okay, Destruction or life? What are you investing in? And I think the the message of the scripture here is invest in the foundational stuff first. The gospel things, the life-giving things, the the stuff that's going to reap life and eternal life. Invest in those foundational elements first. That's why we're talking about foundations of life. You're saying, why, why do we do this event yesterday? Why, are we, why do we care about what happens in the community? Why are we spending money to have bounce houses and to let kids have fun and give them free food and, and do all of this at, at our expense? Because we're sowing. We're trying to sow. We're trying to to be uncomfortable so that others might understand what we're about, that there is life that's better than the corruption that exists, that happens in Dayton, Ohio, and that happens in El Paso, Texas. There is real life that that people can enjoy, and it doesn't mean trouble-free life. It means a freedom, like we sang this morning, 
that's why I was speechless when I came up after. I, I mean, worship was just so amazing this morning. We're just singing about the freedom that comes by, by knowing who God is and, and we are who God says we are. We don't have to try so hard to be what everybody else says that we're to be. And we can love people of all kinds, of all races, of all socioeconomic classes. We can be a beacon in this community as a church to say we are here and we want to tell you that we love you and that there's more than just water slides. <laughs> That's just the door. That's just the entry point. Invest so into the things that are going to bring life, not money, not comfort, not stuff. Invest in spiritual formation. Invest in the gospel. <laughs> Young men in here, you, you want... Better job, better life, better money. You want a spouse one day? What are you sowing? Are you preparing your life? Or are you just sitting back hoping it's just gonna fall into your lap? Young women, same thing. Parents. You want successful kids? You want well-behaved kids? Do you want godly kids? Whatever priority that is, that's what you're going to see, what, what you're sowing into their life. If it's just all about feet together, hands folded, sit up straight, don't curse, don't yell, don't be angry. I'm telling you, you may raise well-behaved kids, but they will not have a heart after the Lord. We're sowing into our kids and into one another the gospel, the gospel that says, you know what, you might not be the most well-behaved, but do you know Jesus? And if you really love Jesus, he's going to walk with you through that. He's going to help. He's going to be a part of that process where you, you become more like him, not more like some idea of this is what a well-behaved, this is what a good kid does. And you understand, I'm not advocating just let your kids do whatever they want to do. No. Let them know. But it's what's that foundation? What are you sowing into their lives? That's what's going to matter most. So I want to give you a couple things just to think about as we finish. How to sow well. You want to sow well? This is not exhaustive. This is just a piece. You want to sow well, be patient. This is a farming metaphor, right? This is like putting, have you ever put a seed in the ground, put dirt over it and just stood there and watched it? Grow. <laughs> Why aren't you growing? Gosh, you're so slow. I know. We want the internet. God wants farming. We want, we want Amazon. God wants the postal service. <laughs> in terms of cultivating life. We have to be patient. We have to wait. We, we, this takes time. Man, we just, I just talked about it, right? I was so thankful for the relationships that we're building here as a church and we're growing and we're seeing life happening. That takes time, man. That seeds being planted. We're sowing into it. We're building trust, building relationship. That takes time. It will always be that way. You want your marriage to work? You want your marriage to rework? You need to be patient. You need to be patient. Look, 
you can do what these other parents are doing and trying to skip the system and, and scam the system so they can get financial aid and take, take money from kids who really need it and try to work it around so that they can still have their comfortable life, whatever. There are no shortcuts to making a plant grow. It's just the simple stuff, water, sunlight, time. It's the same in our lives. That's why Paul says, don't grow weary in doing good. Why does he say that? Because doing good sometimes is just a pain, man. It's just hard. And it gets tiring. It gets wearying. We want to see the, the harvest. We want to see the reaping. But there's always a delay between the sowed seed and the reaping fruit. Always a delay. Always time. This is going to be a help for you in your marriage. Patience, time, don't grow weary in doing what's good. Do what God wants first. Sow into that first. Then see the change that happens in your life. Do not try to skip the process and just make the other person change or do what you need to do to, to make, you know, to work. I got to work on me. I got to get happy. I got to, listen, what does God say first? Sow into that and see what he will do and be patient in it. Parenting, same thing. Health, you want physical health, you want mental health, you want to see that. There is a piece of all of it where we just, you, you don't just start off lifting 300 pounds. You have to start off, if you want to be physically fit, you want to be strong. If you want to go run three miles, you start off with running a block. And you, you're t you take time to let your body adjust and let things happen. That's the principle. We know it works like this and we need to trust because it takes trust that God is doing something. So be patient, be persistent. Don't just sit around waiting for the reaping. <laughs> Don't just sit around waiting. Sow, 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 sow to the good things. It's the sowing that's most important. The Bible pretty much only talks about sowing. It rarely talks about reaping. It does talk about reaping, but the, the emphasis is always on what are you doing with your life? What is God doing through you in your life? That is the, the, the thrust. And so it's not you just got to get out there and do more. No, no, no. You got to trust God in it that he is, he is working through you. And you cannot just sit around on your bed and say, well, God, if you want me to get a job, just make it happen. God, if you want me to get a wife, make her appear right now. It's just not how God works. We want the reaping. We want the reward. I get that. But the reward comes later. There is beauty in the sowing. Patience is always hard because we get tired. But church, let me just remind you that God strengthens you for this. God helps you. He leads you. He equips you. And remember, God says that the reward will happen. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. God will bring it. God will bring the harvest. He will bring the fruit. So keep sowing. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't just put the seed in, water a little bit, say, well, it looks like that didn't work and I'm off to doing something else. Don't just say, well, I had that conversation with my, with my spouse. They didn't respond well, so I'm out. I'm doing something else. I'm, I'm, I'm off to, to, to figure what's next for my life. There is beauty in being persistent. There is 
I mean, just think about how God is with us, man. He is so patient. He is so persistent with us. He is relentlessly chasing us when we run from him and we shake our hand at him and say, get away, I don't want you. He says, no, I love you, I want you. And he brings us to himself. That's what God does for us. This is how we live for him and for one another. Even, even if you don't see the fruit, keep sowing. Even if you only see the tiniest leaf sprout up, keep sowing. Be persistent. Keep watering it. Keep caring for it. God will move because it will grow. And then be prepared. Be patient, be persistent, be prepared. This is awesome, right? Because this is the good stuff. It's going to happen, right? Now, if you're, if you're sowing to the flesh, be prepared. You may hide for a little bit. It will come out. We've seen it over and over and over. So sad in our culture. Just men and women of, of status and visibility, they, 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 they're living a different life behind the scenes and it all looks fine until it doesn't and it all comes out and it comes crashing down. That's this principle. But the good news is the seed will grow. Good fruit will come as we sow to the Spirit. And he says this, and I think this is so important. He says, in due season. In due season. What does that mean? Who decides that season? God decides the season. So in one way, it, it helps us, right? Nothing. <laughs> we, can't, we can't rush it. We can't make it happen sooner. God is, do, as we sow, God is preparing the harvest in his time, in his season, and we can be prepared for when it comes and we don't lose heart. Guys, imagine if we all lived like this. Imagine if this, this infiltrated our life, our church, our city, our community, our culture. We, we are just people who are, who are committed to sowing to the Spirit. And look at what he says in verse 10. He says, even so then, as we have opportunity, let's do good to who? All right, let's say that again. Let's do good to everyone. This is sowing well. This is the, the illustration of sowing well. Imagine if we lived like this. We do good to everyone, especially to those of the household of faith. This should be your insurance policy, the people sitting in this room. This should be the, uh, the ones who we run to when we are hurting, struggling, in financial need, in health need, needing strength and encouragement and faith. It takes time but that is sowing the right seed. And imagine if we lived like this, where we do good to all people. This is what the Christian life is all about. It's not about meetings. It's not about programs. It's not about great music. It's, it's not about that. It is about loving the person in front of you, loving the person who God puts right in your path, and they are in need. And whatever their need is, you are working to meet it. If it's a spiritual need, if it's a physical need. This is the Christian life. Doing good to the person right in front of you. We are to love people. And we give to them whatever's in our power to meet their need. 
on a spiritual level, a social level, a material level. This is what it means to sow to the Spirit. This is what it means to bearing one another's burdens. And this is sacrifice. This is not easy. This takes work. It takes effort. It is uncomfortable. It's being out there yesterday in the 150-degree heat, flipping burgers, talking to people, painting faces. I mean, it's uncomfortable, but man, it is amazing because it's a pathway to meet a need and to tell people about Jesus. Church, let's stand together. God, we love you. Help us to meet the needs of our neighbors, to love you, to sow to the Spirit, to invest into something so amazing because the reward is so much better than we can imagine. It is about you, God. This is what we believe. We believe that you are the Lord of the universe and that our lives are meant to be given to you, to serve you, to serve others. Help us to do this well, God. And as even we sing now the truths of what we believe, I pray it would stir in us a desire to abandon our comforts, to abandon the things that, the wrong things that we've been sowing into and to, to run towards the things that we should be sowing into. We thank you, God, and we pray that you would build faith even now as we, as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.